Welcome to another 3ND show. As always, I'm Mark King. It has been uh, it has been far too long since we have done a po- did one of these. Uh, I, I've been uh, super super busy uh, the last kind of three weeks or, or first couple weeks of December and that first part of December is like the busiest time of the year for me. So uh, I do apologize for being absent for so long. It's been a few weeks, but uh, uh, nonetheless, we're back now. So um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk a, a quite a bit. A few, a quite a bit. There's quite a bit to talk about. First of all, but we're gonna talk. Uh, you know, so we got some Marcus Saul news. The Grizzlies are still bad since we last spoke. Uh, you know, this idea of take uh, this graceful tank idea. Uh, what what about trades? There's there's a lot to get to, a lot to talk about, and and so I'm gonna be solo. It's gonna be a short podcast, not gonna be too long, but do want to get this in before the Warriors game starts, which starts in about oh, 30 minutes for me because we're recording this on Wednesday night. So, uh, but yeah, this is it's been weird. The Grizzlies are still bad. Uh, yeah, been going to these games, watching them, uh, doing the Twitter for Grizzly Bear Blues. You know, writing gamer cast, trying to find something something to write about. It's mostly bad, but um, it's been weird, man. It, it's it's a, it's a very surreal kind of thing to go to go through. Uh, and I know a lot of fans probably feel that way. There, are a lot of people that have been only fans, or you know, all really know the Grizzlies since uh, 2010, 2011, something like that, when they've been really good and they've been doing these playoff things. And so I know that a lot of fans. This must be really really strange. And uh, you know, it's it's strange to me too. Uh, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really a fan when they were going through a lot of the, the losing, um, the losing streaks. I was more of a Memphis Tigers fan that grew, kind of grew up that way. And so, um, you know, it's a, it's weird for me too. But uh, and it's one of those things where, you know, it, it will hopefully just be a one year deal, and uh, they'll get a great pick, and and hopefully next year will all be different. But uh, nonetheless, it it could uh, be the same next year. So you know, if you're a fan now, but be prepared, be prepared for that. Uh, you know, just hang on to them, uh, hang on and keep going, support the team. But uh, but nonetheless, the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are nine and twenty one this season, and five of those wins came when Mike Conley was playing at the beginning of the year, and they looked like a different basketball team. So reality, they only won four games, and, and that just that's crazy to me. Um, they tried to get out a win, uh, tried to squeeze out a win this past weekend over the Celtics. Um, but they decided to go in grizzly bear or grizzly mode right at the start of the fourth quarter. Marcus all had a crazy quarter, 21 points in the quarter fourth or in the third quarter was making literally everything. And you know, that was, that was fun to watch. It was, it was fun to watch. And, and it's one of those things where, we talk about trading Mark. You talk about how Mark says this or says that or what the team is doing. But for like that one moment, it was it was cool. It was fun. It was fun to see him go out there and just literally hit everything, uh, knocking down threes, just doing literally everything you know that he's capable of doing. Um, you know, he's not really – that's not really him anymore. Uh, that's not the Marcus All that, that is anymore. I don't know if he really ever was that, but, you know, he never – He's certainly not that now, but for for that for that game for that moment, it was pretty cool to see him go out there and really, you know, really do what he does best and uh, really put on a show for that for that third quarter. And then you know he went out first two minutes of the fourth quarter, and then that was it. That was all she wrote. He he went out, he went up for two minutes, and I think the lead ballooned to like eight after in like two minutes. It was just bad. And then after that, they just decided they couldn't do it anymore and gave up rather quickly. But that's you know. That's the Grizzlies these days. So, um, so that was weird. Um, they did get a win though. They got a win over the Hawks, and so that's 
for a while there, I thought they were going to lose that one too. <laughs> it looked like both teams were, were trying to lose the game, though. That's what it looked like. It looked like neither, neither team wanted to win. And so uh, the Grizzlies just got the short end of the stick and grabbed the win. Uh, but that, that was one of the, I think that was one of the games where if they had have lost that game, it would have been like, okay, things really need to start changing around here. Uh, I think you probably would have seen a lot of people jump, jump ship. You know, you might have even seen some more changes um, if you had lost that game. But they were able to win it, not and, and not win it, you know, easily at all. They definitely struggled with the Hawks. But for every stretch and major, they they struggled the Hawks. Don't don't like you know, just because they got a win doesn't mean they got it easily. So they did they did get a win though. Uh, so they, like I said, they're nine and twenty one so far this season. They got the the Warriors coming up tonight. Sean Livingston is out for that game, but I don't know if that's going to make much of a difference. And so uh, they'll probably have another loss at the end of tonight, and we'll probably be talking about that next time we are doing a podcast. So, uh, but they got the Warriors. The schedule coming up, they have the Warriors a couple times. Uh, they over the next like ten games or so, they think they have the Warriors a couple times, have the Clippers a couple times, have the Suns a couple times, have the Kings. There's someone else in there, but um, you know I was on the or. Other Grizzly Bear Blue podcast, the main podcast, uh, Grizzly Bear Blue's live last night with Joe Mullinex and Brandon Connor, and they asked me this question about what the what I thought the record would be, and I I told them that we we'll probably only win two games, and it, you're you're actually facing a bunch of teams that should be winnable games. I mean, the the Phoenix Suns aren't very good, the Clippers aren't very good, the Kings aren't very good, and so there's five games right there. Do you know that? I think the I think the Suns only have like eleven wins, and the Clippers only have like eleven. You know, they, all those teams only have like ten, eleven, twelve wins. They're, they're not they're not they're not much better than the Grizzlies. And so it's one of those it's it's a stretch of those games where you think you know what we should definitely have some wins uh, racked up here, but I don't think I still don't think that you're going to get any. I think they'll probably split the Clippers, and they'll probably lose the or they'll probably get the Kings. Although it really depends on how Zach Randolph plays that game. And so if he decided that he's going to uh, exact revenge on the Grizzlies and Jarrell Martin is your starting power forward, then he probably has some serious issues there. Jarrell Martin and or Jermichael Green, excuse me. Either one, you probably have issues there because, uh, you know, he can still score buckets. So it'll be interesting to see how, how that goes. And for the, for the Suns games, it'll be interesting to see how that goes if Devin Booker is playing or not. I think if he's playing, then... They probably have serious problems containing him. They have problems containing everybody. So having problems containing Devin Booker would, would not surprise me at all. But uh, uh, nonetheless, um, so Marcus all had this weird press conference yesterday. It was yesterday? No, month. this was a Monday, excuse me. And he invited like eight members of the media Um People who cover the Grizzlies, uh, Peter Edmonston, Tillery, Kevin Leip, Chris Harrington, Verno. I think Mike Wallace is there. I'm not sure on exactly what all was there, but um, no, it was. I wouldn't say it's weird because that happens. That that's that's a relatively, um, you know that 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 kind of happens. But um, it, it was called, and there was no video allowed, which I thought was just strange. Which is probably why you didn't see any like. You know, any normal traditional TV guys there. And he had this press conference and he basically left everything on the table. Everybody could ask anything they wanted. And it went up for like an hour. And I've listened to this. And I, if you haven't already listened to this, then I would suggest you go 
listen to Peter Edmondson's Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Uh, great, great podcast. But he also had the full audio, just basically the entire thing unedited for an hour. Um, he split it into two podcasts, I believe. Uh, one was um, one was Monday and Tuesday. I'm not sure exactly, but they're they're up they're up right now. I just uh, listened to him today, but uh, definitely go listen to it because quotes. Just a quote, obviously, it's always dangerous just because you want to really hear the person say it, you know, inflection of the vo- even just inflection of the voices and how they say it and, and that kind of thing. So if you haven't already listened to that, I would suggest go and listen to that and, and then maybe even do it now. But definitely go listen to it regardless of what you do uh, listening to this podcast. Go check it out. It's very impressive. It's an hour long, but, you know, just to hear him talk about some things. And, and there was a lot of things that he didn't even really answer my, he didn't really answer that much in an hour. I mean, like he said, it's open to ask any questions, but then he didn't really even answer any questions. So I thought that was really weird. Like there was a lot of stuff about Fisdale and he was asked specifically about like David Fisdale on the relationship and did he get him fired? And he still remains the fact that he didn't get them fired or did he, he did not have anything to do with David Fisdale getting them fired, getting him fired. He didn't talk to management. He didn't talk to the ownership. He didn't do any of that stuff. So he still says that he didn't do any of that, but he was asked specifically about the relationship and he says, basically just said they couldn't make it work. You know, they couldn't make it work. And then he could, he said it like four times. I couldn't make it work. Couldn't make it work. And he couldn't make it, you know, work the way they wanted. And so he didn't really answer the question. And then I know, like, I think, I think it was Peter. He actually, he questioned him again, like exactly about what, what it was, because he was saying that, there was a game last year against Utah, and he, they, they lost the game. And Mark and Mike went for like 7 for 38, 7 for 39 or something like that. But then he said that David Fisdale basically blamed that loss on Mike and Mark. And that was what started the deteriorating relationship. Now, they see, he's saying that's not was the breaking point. Verno asked the same thing. It wasn't the breaking point, but that's what started the, the deterioration deterioration of the relationship, as it were. And so I guess my question would have been what, and I know that like the, I know Peter kept prodding and trying to get to this is that what is that? Like, what was the one thing? But he just said they couldn't make it work and it just got, you know, just got worse and worse and worse. So there's clearly other things involved there. There's clearly other stuff out there that he isn't talking about or hasn't said or, or whatever that, you know, happened from, that was December of last year into the end of the season. So there's clearly stuff or something or multiple things that have happened that he's not disclosing. And Fisdell's definitely not talking about the, the things that have happened over the course of that, 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 you know, either made him mad or rubbed in the wrong way. Um, he did, he did say that it wasn't about the basketball, the way the style, it wasn't anything basketball related. And so I thought it was interesting. I thought it was, I thought it was weird um, for him to, basically open up the press conference to take whatever questions you wanted and then not really answer anything. And so even after he was kind of prodded, he just kept saying they couldn't make it work. They couldn't make it work. Um, and he was asked, you know, they, he was asked specifically exactly what happened and he, he didn't say anything. He didn't allude to anything. And so I thought that was strange. That was one of the things that, that stood out to me. And there was one quote, actually it stood out to me so much that I typed it out just so I could get it correct and I didn't want to misquote it. And that was after Vernon asked him something of along the lines of what about Mike? What what was Mike and all of this? And um I don't remember the first part of the answer. It was something about, you know, Mike still 
Mike was there along, you know, by his side, that kind of thing. But the quote that really stood out to me, and this is it, it says, uh, we got so frustrated after losing so many games, the tension finally broke the rope between us. And he's referring to himself and Fisdale. And so my question is, if you, if you didn't get him fired, if you didn't, if you just specifically, if you didn't ask to get him fired, what is, what, what tension is there that finally if it broke the rope? But what, what, I just don't understand that. I don't get that at all because he was asked about these things and he kept saying that he would, you know, he's the guy that would do anything you ask him to do. He's the guy that would do everything the coach asked him to do. And then uh, he kept saying that the head coach is the end all be all that he would say uh, whatever, like, you know, whatever the coach said goes basically. He's that, he's that guy that they're preaching. You know, we do what the coach says. Uh, I'm going to do everything you ask me to do. And I'm going to do, do it to the fullest extent of my ability that I can. I may not succeed, but I'm going to try as hard as I damn can, damn near can. But the problem with that is, if you're the one going out there, rah rah, coach, 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 coach. What what happened? Why is there so much frustration between you? So much tension between you two that the that the that the associate or that the management can't have him there anymore. That he has to be fired. And so, you know. The front office maintains that it was a, it was because he was losing because you know they just wanted to go in a different direction. I just I still it makes it doesn't make enough sense. I mean, Mark went in on him that Sunday night. I think it was Sunday night, and then the next day, like three hours later, he was fired. So that's never made sense to me, and I don't think it's ever made sense to anybody. Just from like. I mean, you don't have to be in locker rooms or be at press gatherings to know, to like put those pieces together. It doesn't make sense. Never has. And so I'm not sure exactly what to make of that. I thought it was very strange. I thought it was strange for him to call a press conference and then not answer anything. And the other thing is that I don't think that the, from the outside looking at when I first saw this first read everything, I just said, you know what, this looks, this looks like saving grace or saving face to me. Like this looks like someone that understands that people have talked about him in a negative way, that someone that understands that people have called him a coach killer and that people talk around the NBA, they GMs talk and uh, the NBA players talk. And from the, from my perspective, for me, this looks like someone that's trying to help his reputation more so than just being open and honest. I mean, the only reason you call that is to get everything out, you know, to clear the air kind of, so to speak, to make sure everybody knows for once and for all, this was not my fault. I did not ask him to get fired, uh, you know, to break down the relationship as much as he did. It's not much that he broke down. He just said they couldn't make it work. So there's not really that much there to divulge anyway, but just so everybody in the association, everybody, GMs, everybody, everybody knows this is not Marcus all's doing. And that seems off to me. That just doesn't, it doesn't fit. And so from the first point, from the very first Reddit saw it, that was just immediate. That was my immediate thought is that it doesn't, this only, this seems selfish. I mean, this just seems like I'm just trying to correct my reputation that I don't want to be that known as a coach killer. I don't want to be that guy, but, um, he is, uh, and I don't think it helped much. I don't think it helped his reputation much. I don't think it helped him much by just say go out there and and really not answering the questions. I mean, you can't call a press conference, you know, exclusively to only to eight people and then and no video cameras, only only audio audio recordings, and then not really even answer anything. So that that was one of the biggest things that stuck out to me. 
the other thing that stuck out to me is that he said that he would not ask him about asking for a trade. He said, I would not ask for a trade. I've said that multiple times. He's here for the city. He's here for the, for the team. Um, but then they asked him, well, what happens if, you know, they get in a position where you're not coming back? I mean, they're already in that position, whether, whether anybody wants to admit it or not. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but whether they get to a position and he, they asked they, the, the, the front office ask him to sit, you know, either to play young guys or uh, for health reasons, whatever. He's not hurt. They're just saying, Hey, sit down. We're going to, you know, we're going to lose games. We're going to get a top pick. We're going to bring it back next year. And he basically said that, uh, you know, he's not 24, 25 anymore. You know, he doesn't have the opportunity to throw away seasons and he would not let anybody throw away seasons. And, you know, so he said he wouldn't ask for a trade, but then he kind of walked it back and, and made sure that if, you know, he's kind of covering his bases to make sure that if that does happen, which is the looks the most likely direction they're headed is a terrible, terrible season with a potential top five pick that if that does happen and he does get pissed off and uh, wants out, then he has that opportunity where people can't go, oh, well, you said you would never ask for a trade. You never, you never did that. So, well, you know, I'm not in a position to waste my seasons away. I'm 30, you know, 32, 33 this year. I mean, like, and I get it. I get that. I mean, I would, if I were him, I'd be in the same situation. Like, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. I want to win. I don't want to now. And, and, and the front office not done, has not done him any favors with the roster they put around him. Not even this year, but last year or in the last couple of years have what, what they've done him any favors at all in his prime. And they've completely wasted. Obviously, that's another conversation for another day. But I thought that was very interesting to where he said he said he wouldn't he wouldn't ask for a trade, but then walked it back and made sure that he had that kind of out. Uh, the other thing that I thought was really weird is that the whole like the whole like me 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 thing. I the 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 the, the kind of the I don't want to call it like a fake martyr, but like I don't know, refusing to accept the fact that you know we might sit you in the hopes to play. I'm not even sit you. We might play you less minutes in hopes to bring along young guys or get our young guys more minutes so that we can make decisions on them in the offseason or even before the offseason. Maybe we might see a trade that develops or maybe we might need to release them and sign someone else, whatever the, whatever the case may be. But refusing flat out, that is not a scenario he would accept, is just asinine to me that he would not accept the fact that, you know what, just for this, look, because you might as well accept it already. You're not in 21. Mike is not coming back anytime soon. And you're only going to get, it's only going to get worse. The, the whole fake thing where we're still in it is is total bullshit by the front office. When you're not in this, you, you're not even close to being in it. You got to go on like a, like a 12 or 10 game winning streak to even be in the conversation. It's not like you're in ninth place and you got to hop one team. You got to hop five teams. You're the third worst record in the league. So to under, to understand that, so to not understand that fact and to get into a situation where you wouldn't refuse to accept the fact that we're going to play our young guys more than you or let, you know, see, play you 25 minutes or hell, just sit you some nights, sit you on back to back. So whatever it might be, let's make sure that because you're don't, because you're not 24, 25 anymore, 24, 25 anymore, 
you have the ability to play more than you were next year. You won't have those extra minutes, extra miles on your body because we want to play our young guys, see what we got, lose a lot of games, get a top five pick, and immediately come back next year with hopefully a another franchise player and have him play alongside you so that we have a much better chance of getting to the playoffs next year. And because you're at a point now where this whole like graceful, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, the, the whole refusing to refusing to sit is, is, is bizarre to me, even for the sake of the young guys was, that was kind of just, it's a little bizarre and a little infuriating. Um, and then along the same lines of a trade, you know, I want to talk about what you could get back from Mark, because there's a lot of things going out on, on social media. Uh, what people, I think what people think of Mark is completely different than what Mark really is. Um, unfortunately, Mark is, and he's an aging player. He is a player that doesn't really rely on his post game anymore. He doesn't really have a good post game that much anymore. Uh, he fades away within four feet. Uh, he, if he's not hitting threes, he doesn't really have a good offense. He doesn't really rebound well. Um, he has had a foot surgery. He has had a bad attitude. Uh, he's labeled as a coach killer. And on top of all that, guess what? He still has a max salary. So that's really not a combination that lends you a good return value for a trade. And so the whole trademark thing is a very weird, complex situation because his value is not what it was or what it used to be anymore. You're not going to get a Brooklyn, uh, that Brooklyn pick from the Cleveland Cavaliers that everybody screams about. That's not happening. It is not happening anytime. I mean, that just for like a mark straight up, you, that's not you're not getting that you're not getting that back. Um, and so that's the problem with Mark is that I'm not sure his trade value is what the Grizzlies think. They they obviously probably think it's higher than what it actually is. Obviously, he's their player. Um, and so when you start listening to offers, you get into a situation where you realize that what you have is not going to get you what you want. And so it's better off just keeping them because at that point, you know, getting, you know, a bad Tristan Thompson contract, what's, what's the difference? You know, what's so, you know, I think that's kind of where you get into this cycle where the Grizzlies are going to want X, but they're not going to get anything. They're not going to get what they want. So if they're not going to get what they want, might as well keep them because no one's going to really want to take a bad contract with a not so great player. And so, you know, you get into this kind of a vicious cycle there, where I don't know if you really, you really can get, get out of it. I think the Grizzlies, if, if they do trade Mark, they're going to have to attach something to him. They're going to have to attach a Tyreek Evans or a James Ennis or someone like that. They're going to, unfortunately pretty much probably give up another asset to get off of Mark. Um, or if they want that Brooklyn pick, I think a Tyreek and Mark could do it. Um, I think a, uh, I think that could probably definitely uh, would get that done, but they're probably gonna have to give a you know Mark's value alone, just by himself, is not enough to probably bring back the assets that you want because the Grizzlies, if they make a trade, they don't need to make a trade for aging veterans. They need to make a trade for young players or and or assets, future assets, because they don't have a whole lot of those. So Mark's value is one thing that gets overinflated because of you know people are tied there. They, they, they know Mark, they, you know, he's been a, a core part of this franchise for, for several years now. So you get attached, you, you, you get attached to things. You see what you see him at night in and night out. You kind of see him, you know, the things he can do the, this idea of Marcus all. And so you get attached to that. And so people inflate their views of what you can get in return for him. And, and, and I get it. 
you know, but at the same time, it's not, it's just not true. It's, it's unrealistic for, for you to get something like that from Mark. And so that's the problem where it lies with the Mark trade is that I'm not entirely sure just him by yourself gets you, gets you what you want or gets you what the Grizzlies want. Now, can him by yourself get you something? Sure. I don't know what. I don't know what it could get you at this moment. I'd have to look and really break down who might need him. But, like, I just don't think it would get you what you think it could or what probably the Grizzlies think it's good. Um, let's move on. Enough about Microsoft. Probably spent too long on him already. But let's talk about this this idea of that's been floating out there. We talked about it last night on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. You can check that out if you want. Uh, go over to grizzlybearblues.com. It's posted up there. But we also talked about this last night, this idea of this graceful tank and, and kind of uh, tanking without tanking. And, and first and foremost, I said this last night, and I'll say it again, that the Grizzlies probably won't have to gracefully tank or put any kind of strategy into it because if, Mar- if Mike Conley isn't there, if Mike Conley isn't playing, they're going to lose games anyway, and they're going to lose a lot of games, period, end of story. And so they're not going to have to think about it. They're not going to have to sit Mark. They're not going to do any of this stuff we've already talked about because if Mike's not there, as he hasn't been here, before, hasn't been here most of the year anyway, uh, they're they're going to lose a lot of games and probably won't matter anyway. So, uh, but but beyond that, um, what should they do if they decide that the Grizzlies should tank? And by the way, they should because. They're nine and twenty-one, as I saluted, as I said earlier, they're the third worst record in the league, and it's not like you have to jump one team; you have to jump five to get back in the playoffs. You are not getting back in the playoffs, and so to get this again, this whole line that the front office throws out there that we are still in it, we we are only five games out, is just total bullshit. Like you're not in it, you're not, you know. And I get it; I get why you got to say that because you don't really just want to come out and say, you know what, we're we're losing games. But like in this NBA and this in this climate, like people are used to that. After like the 76ers just said, "You know what? We're just going to lose games." And guess look where they're at right now. Like granted, they were bad for a long time, but like people are people are accepting of that. They get it now. Like they understand how this process works. So like it's not like people are going to be pissed off that you're losing on purpose. It's more like, "Hey, we know that we can get a top 5 pick and a franchise player out of this." And people are going to go, "You know what? I'm on board for that." Because people are, are, are they're, they're, the fans are smarter than you think they are. I mean, like, they get it now. It's not it's not what it used to be. And so uh, it's not like, you know, you you can you have to come out and say, yes, we're tanking. But, you know, just feeding people the whole, we're five games out, we're still going to compete. It's just, you know, because it, it just, I, I'm kind of over it. Like, you're not. You're not going to compete. You're not. You, you've won nine games. You're a really bad basketball team. And the reason you're really bad at basketball is you could have put a, you, you put a shit roster out there. Like, that's just what it is. Like, that is just what it is. It's a crappy roster for the most part. And and then on top of that, you just a lot of players get hurt. Like you just some bad luck. Like Mike, you know, Mike Conley getting hurt, bad luck. You know, like Wayne Selling like not even playing at all this year. That's just bad luck. Like Wayne's a good player. And then, you know, you got some other players just not pan out. Like Macklemore, he's just not good. And he hasn't he's not good. And they're probably gonna be tied in for another season, unfortunately. Like he's just, you know, hasn't been what you wanted to be. And guess what? He makes like twice the money that Tyreek Evans, which is whatever. But Beyond that, let's talk about what that should look like if they do that. First of all, it starts with trading Tyreek Evans, Brandon Wright, James Ennis, and if possible, Ben McLemore. I don't think it's going to be possible to trade Ben McLemore just because of what he is. I think he, people already pretty know what he is around the league, what, he, what he's played like this year. So, But it starts with trading Tyreek. Whatever you can get for him, I think he can probably net you a top, top uh, or first round pick. I'm not entirely sure if that's possible. 
I think it is, though. I think with a certain team coming down to the trade deadline, a, a contender that wants to put them over the top, like a Cleveland or somebody that really needs that, that secondary scoring that kind of kind of push them right over the top. I think Tyreek Evans could probably get get you what you want. Brandon Wright, James Ennis. I don't think James Ennis is in your long-term plans. I think it's probably go ahead and entertain offers and move off of him for whatever you can. Same thing with Brandon Wright. He's not in your long-term plans either. Um, he's obviously been hurt so much that he hasn't really played in the, uh, the Grizzlies that much. So you want to move him as for just whatever. I mean, I don't think Brandon Wright, James, James Ennis are going to get you much. Um, you know, maybe you package one of them with a Tyreek Evans to get that first rounder, something like that. And then, you know, trading Ben McLemore again. I don't know if it's possible, but it, it, I think you need to entertain, obviously entertain those offers. Um, and then you, you waive Mario Chalmers, Vince Hunter, and Drell Martin. I would say Drell Martin, uh, look for a, that trade as well. You're definitely not going to get a trade for Mario or Vince, unless it's like a throwaway kind of, they just had to make put it in there to make the numbers work. But then Jarrell Martin, he might be able to net you something. I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I just, it's time to give up on Jarrell Martin. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not worked. Uh, hasn't worked all year. He had played, played plenty of games, plenty of minutes. Um, still not working. And so, I, mean, I like, and Jarrell Martin's a good guy, but it's just what it is. So I think you, you look at trades and sit those, see what you can do for, to get for him. And then uh, you sit Mike for the rest of the year. You don't let, you don't allow him to come back at all. Uh, you know, just make sure coming into next year, like I said, he, he's healthy. This is all about next year. He's healthy. Then you play Mark only 25, 30 minutes a game. Now, he might get pissed off at that. I don't know. I mean, he clearly has said as much already. Um, and so, you know, you you uh, you play Mark only 25, 30 minutes a game. Now, you might send him out back-to-back, send him out in certain spots just to make sure that he, uh, you know, he – is healthy for next year because that's what you want. And hopefully by that time you would be able to explain that to Mark and say, Hey, this is about next year. This is about what we want to get you. Our goals for next year are much higher and to attain those goals, this is the route. And so hopefully he comes around on that. And then you, you call up Ivan Rab, you call up Kobe Simmons to replace to Mario Chalmers. You play all your young guys, Dylan, Kobe, Ivan, Wayne, Deontay, I mean, all the, you know, Darrell Martin, if you still have him, all those guys, Ben McElmore, if you still have him, those guys, you want to figure out what you have. You want to figure out what you have with them this year. And you play them as much as you can, as long as you can, for, you know, as many games as you can, so that you know by the end of this year, you have something, and either you know you have something in Kobe Simmons, whether he's that way, he's worth another either two way next year, or he's worth a. Uh, you know, it was worth a small guaranteed deal, whatever. I mean, he's worth something for you. And so same thing with uh, with Ivan Rabb. I think we know what we have in Dylan Brooks so far. He's played a little bit more outside his role than what he should be playing at the moment, which is can be taxing on a rookie. But you know you know what you have in Ivan Rabb next year. You know what you have in uh, Wayne. Uh, you know what you have in Deontay Davis. You know, get him some more run. And those type of decisions go a long way because it takes a lot of – playing time for, for for rookies and young players that get used to the NBA, you know, the speed and the style of play. It is an entirely different game than college. It is an entirely different game. It is so different. And so it takes young players so long to get accustomed to the way things are played in the NBA. And so getting them those minutes, getting them, getting them as many minutes and as many games as possible is the only way to see what you have in young players. In that way, you can either cut them, wave them, or you can say, you know, we got something here. I don't think it's not there yet, but I see it. 
you know, there are more flashes than there are not some, you know, there, he plays better than he, he, than he sucks most of the time. So yes, he makes mistakes, but that's part of being a rookie and he'll grow out of that. And so you can really see what you have right away by the end of the year. And you can make decisions on a lot of guys um, for, for the summer. You can either, you know, move off of them and give you more either cat space or roster roster movement and be able to really in the free in next year's free agency, either have some more money to spend or some more roster spot, spots open and you can go out and get different guys that you may or may not would have been able to get before without having moved off those guys or without having played them as much as you can to be able to make those decisions. So I think that's one of the most crucial parts of this of the of the tanking idea is, is getting those young guys as much playing time as possible. And not only for them to get comfortable, not only for them to be able to see what they have in themselves and see how how it is playing in the NBA at a, on a night in and night out basis, but it it's beneficial for you as an organization to make a decision on those players. And so I think that's probably the biggest part of this is playing those young guys more. Now, granted, I think they're probably not going to have to make those decisions as far as if they're officially going to tank, because I don't think it's going to matter. I think Mark is going, or excuse me, Mike's absence is going to make that decision for them. And so far it has, I think that'll continue with the Warriors tonight and then beyond. Um, and then if you do start trading stuff, I don't think it'll happen until probably end of January. I just I think they're probably still they're they're in their minds they have this idea that Mike's going to come back and he's going to be the savior and everything's going to be all right in the world and they're going to just rattle off twelve wins and lose one and rattle off ten more and that's just that's not going to happen it's not realistic um, even when Mike was here didn't he wasn't playing all that well anyway and so I just think I think that's a fool's errand is us banking on Mike and you know. Um, they did get a medical update. He'll be reevaluated in two weeks. So best case scenario, he's not even getting reevaluated to, you know, to, um, what is that? That's probably end of December now. So best case scenario, he's not even, he's not even moving around on the court in three, three weeks from now. And then the next best, best case scenario, he's on the court in a month. That's like mid January. So like by the time that comes around, that's like, I think it's like 20, it's like probably like 20 games, 18, 20 games. I mean, you think you're going to win, you know, it's even be in the, in the conversation, you got to win like five or six of those, maybe, maybe more. You really think you're going to win that many games? Because I don't, I mean, you haven't won that many so far. So what would you, what makes you think things are just going to automatically change? You're going to start winning, winning more now. I mean, it's not like Mark's going to change overnight. It's not like you're going to get different players overnight. I mean, you're going to get Brandon Wright back soon, hopefully next week. But like, I don't think that's going to change change you at all as a, as a team. I mean, Brandon Wright's not going to make that much of a difference. So, you know, this idea that Mike is going to come back and just save the world, and you know, it was great. I mean, I, I want Mike to come back. I want him to be healthy. But you know, the, the, having him back is not going to make a difference because you're going to be so far in the hole that it's not going to matter anyway. So, uh, uh, that's, that's, I think that's pretty much all of the podcast night. We have, we've, we've, we have talked about quite a bit of things, uh, from Marcus all and got you guys ready and up to speed for, I think most of everything. But, um, again, you can follow me on Twitter at King underscore producer. You can follow the show on Twitter at three and D pod. You can make sure you subscribe in our iTunes feed. It really helps out the show. Please leave a review. It really helps us out too. Um, you can find us at Grizzly Bear Blue, Grizzly, excuse me. You can find us at grizzlybearblues.com, iTunes, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Until next time, we'll talk to you then.